What Luis is describing is kind of almost a, a new normal, right? I, I know in this industry, we often talk about a new normal as kind of commodity prices. And when the floor drops out, that's kind of when that term comes in. But the reality is sustainability has created a new construct in which they have to operate. And so the new normal is leading to, I think, really interesting discussions with clients where there's an expectation that's now placed upon their business to do more, to be more transparent and to accelerate their impact. Welcome to the Pitch Podcast, where entrepreneurs and cutting edge companies come to tell us about the products they're making, the ideas they're spending time on, and the problems they're solving. Here's your host, Warren Spiewak. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast. Today, we're gonna to be talking about ESG data management. You know, when it comes to sustainability, something very interesting in the news is that Deloitte has a solution that is cutting edge. We're gonna dive into that today. I've got Luis Galito. He is a principal at Deloitte Consulting. He's also the leader of the Sustainability 360 initiative, uh, working with Salesforce Net Zero cloud offering. So we're gonna dive into that. And then we're also gonna talk to Nigel Bell, who's the managing director at Deloitte Consulting. And he's the general manager um, for the Sustainability 360 offering. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks yeah, for having thank us. Thank you for having us. So just to kind of start it off, um, you know, an introduction's an introduction, but I really would like to talk about what you guys are doing kind of day in, day out in these roles. I know you both, um, your expertise is in this vertical of the oil and gas industry. Let's start there. So Luis, you want to kick it off? Sure. Um, again, thanks for having us. Uh, Luis Galito, I'm a principal with uh, the energy and chemicals practice at Deloitte Consulting. Um, I've been working in the industry for over the last 25 years. For the last almost two years, I've been uh, collaborating with Nigel very closely and helping clients like work on, on like unlock value out of their data management, right? First, organizing what their data management needs to be, and then how do they get value out of that? And that's, that was our, our initial hypothesis when we started with what is now known as Sustainability 360. Nice. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Nigel Bell, thanks for having me again. Uh, so Houston resident, uh, part of the oil and gas ecosystem for numerous years. Um, and as Luis mentioned, you know, we've been focused on uh, the sustainability angle, uh, primarily through Sustainability 360 that we'll talk about today. Can we just talk about what trends, just to start, kind of kick this off and, and what you guys were seeing and, and, and why this is such an exciting thing for the industry? Sure. Let me, let me talk about a, a research that Deloitte does every year around, you know, we call it the, the oil and gas outlook. It's a, the outlook from the industry. Basically, what are like the trends that are going to drive growth or going to drive the industry over the next 12 to 15 months? We typically publish it in... Uh, in December every year. So I'm sure that our team that works on that, they're hard at work yeah. getting ready for the 2024 initiative. But the 2023 um, oil and gas outlook is very interesting because the five trends that were identified and that they're actually driving the industry today, the common thread underpinning each one of them is sustainability. And let me just quickly go over them, right? Like if we start with like upstream, there's been like a, a very strong focus on like capital discipline, which has driven a uh, very strong balance sheets. Because of that, there's been a lot of um, extra capital to invest in energy investment in low, in low carbon technologies. Mm -hmm. Then when you look at what's happening in terms of regulations, the regulations are actually driving oil and, the oil and gas industry to move towards like cleaner uh, sources of energy or produce low carbon um, 
uh, solutions. The third trend is, and is, I think this is fascinating, is like how we have moved from like natural gas and LNG from like facing them out, and now we're moving where like they're actually part of like the energy transition because they're seen as sources to like help with like energy security in terms of, you know, with the, the resurgence that we've seen in, in terms of like certified natural gas and like carbon neutral LNG are fundamental to like energy security and what we're seeing in the industry today. The four um, trend is around downstream. The, what, what the refiners are doing and like shifting uh, their, their production strategy based on the demand, right? Because there's a lot of demand today around we want cleaner fuel, like typical, like, like you know, we're, we're hearing a lot about like renew, um, renewable diesel. So a lot of companies are looking and investing even though their margins are obviously a lot smaller than what we're seeing in, in their with their counterparts in upstream, any investment is towards how do we like retro, retrofit facilities to be able to produce some of these low carbon uh, solutions, right? Mm -hmm. Then the last and final trend is around uh, merging and acquisitions activity. Well, obviously it has slowed down from the last two years. What is significant is that the the percentage of these M&A uh, activities or acquisitions that are that are actually driven or that were sustainability and, and, um, and ESG and like uh, energy transition is a key factor where in the past, if you look at over like probably the last five, 10 years, ESG and, and energy transition was probably a key factor in, I don't know, like probably like less than 10% of the acquisitions. Today, it's almost half of them. If you're not going to contribute towards my energy transition or low, or low energy um, solutions, it's, it's probably not going to be considered, right? So it's, the, my point with the, the, if you look at each one of the five trends, mm -hmm. what is common across all of them is sustainability and energy transition. And, and, and I bring that up because in our industry, sometimes folks don't think of like oil and gas has the industry that is driving energy transition. And while well, there's a lot of activity. Yeah. And, and I think when you look at what's happening in the market, that's one of the reasons that we say, you know what? Our industry is ripe for a solution like what we have with um, sustainability. Yeah, start. I mean, you just covered like five, six different pistons of this engine that is uh, for someone who's at the helm of the ship, they're probably going like, what are we doing? What can we do? Which brings us to you, Nigel. You're very much client facing. You're in the very beginning stages of being able to share this solution. I think this was what, a couple years in the making for you guys? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Sustainability 360, what's that first conversation like? What is it? And like, what, what is like the word on the street where when you're sitting down with these companies, the, the, the first thing that you know are some of their pain points? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, what Luis is describing is kind of almost a, a new normal, right? I, I know in this industry, we often talk about a new normal as kind of commodity prices. Mm -hmm. And when the floor drops out, that's kind of when that term comes in. But the reality is sustainability has created a new construct in which they have to operate. And so the new normal is leading to, I think, really interesting discussions with clients where there's an expectation that's now placed upon their business to do more, to be more transparent and to accelerate their impact, right? And in order for organizations to do that, you know, fundamentally, as Luis indicated, is they actually have to have access to the right data to understand kind of what is the problem relative to their organization, their operational footprint, and then how are they making progress against the commitments that they are now being compelled to make? Mm 
right? Now, there's a lot of obviously po positive intent behind this as well, right? In terms of kind of, you know, outcomes from a global, uh, you know, perspective. But the reality is, you know, they have to make commitments and they have to abide by those commitments and they're actually getting scored and rated against those. I also know, I read something just not even just here in June, where you guys are in a very deep collaboration with AT&T and Salesforce. Can you connect those two items together and kind of starting with you, Luis, just from an overall strategy? And then with you, Nigel, I'd like to just talk about client facing, like how they're applying this, not just what you guys have created, but also being able to administer it and distribute in their organization. Sure. I, I can get us started. And Nigel can, can talk about more of the details on like what they're offering is is providing right but when if we look at like why the partnership the partnership with or like the collaboration with both um salesforce and and at&t to begin with our solution is like the core base or the base of our solution is as a salesforce and it specifically is a product that salesforce has that is called salesforce net zero cloud that is basically a carbon emissions uh, solution what we have done is on top of that solution, we put Deloitte IP and IP from other like Salesforce ISV and including and also like Deloitte specific services around sustainability to extend the solution to be broader when we come to like solve the, the ESG data management issue, right? Which is I think that's the main problem that we're trying to solve. The next question is like why AT&T, right? Why is AT&T? Well, we're partnering, we're collaborating with AT&T in terms of they're, they're, they're providing IoT sensors so we can go directly to the source, in this case, to, to, a, to, a, um, to a location, to an asset, to a, a piece of machinery, to a, a fleet, whether like a stationary or like mobile asset, to like get directly and almost in real time their emissions data and, and flow that data directly into Sustainability mm -hmm. 360. Because one of the problems, and now you can get, we'll get into more details about the challenges with ESG data management, is that the data doesn't reside in one place. It's not that you can go to your ERP and get all of your ESG uh, data. Typically, it's in your ES, in your ERPs, in your in your procure-to-pay system. Sometimes it's in PDFs, and sometimes it's in spreadsheets all over the organization. And that just makes me want to say, like, like as I look into this, there is significant pressure on these organizations, uh, and that is something that is just known across the industry. So, to that, Nigel. What are those, again, going into that first initial call where you're meeting with an organization, what's the word on the street? And then what is this doing for you in that conversation to start that process to where they're seeing this as a solution? Yeah, I think that the first client conversation is usually anchored around um, acknowledgement that this is hard, right? Like what Luis is describing is very true, that ESG data sits all over your organization in different kind of bits and pockets. Some of it's internal, but some of it's even external. And getting your arms around all of that to then make sense of kind of where you are today and where you need to be tomorrow is very difficult. And so I think it starts off as an acknowledgement that, hey, listen, this is, this is hard, but you're not in it by yourself, right? This isn't a problem that you need to you know, kind of carry the burden in isolation. And so typically it's a four part conversation, right? It typically talks about, you know, let's talk about your current state in terms of what are your emission sources as an example? Where do you think that data resides? And then helping them understand kind of how to actually, once again, get their arms around it. Two is then how do we then ensure the integrity and the accuracy of that data, right? There is a significant focus on auditability, right? Organizations are under pressure to ensure that what they're publicly committing or publicly reporting on has the same level of accuracy as their financial reporting, right? 
The third then is identifying kind of what are the hotspots or risks that exist within my business, right? It's one thing to understand my current state, but you have to be prepared to do something about it, right? Because climate change is what we're talking about in this, you know, in this conversation. And there's, there's physical risk, there's transition risk, and you have to understand where that risk resides within your portfolio. And then the fourth dimension is you can't stand still in this topic. Right? There is an expectation that you're constantly moving the needle and advancing it. And so the discussion then shifts often into, well, once I understand where I'm at, what can I do to improve? And that extends to your own operations, but it also extends into your extended value chain. Because for most organizations, that's where the majority of their uh, emissions footprint sits. Interesting. And it's, it, it just seems like what I feel like I'm noticing just from this conversation it's not that there's a shortage of data, it's that there's overwhelming data and it is all over the place. It's in these different locations and your data is only as good as it is like usable and how you can leverage it. So I wanna revisit the AT&T and Salesforce part because I know there's something significant there. Where, where are those relationships leveraging all of this and how are they contributing to this uh, to the Sustainability 360 initiative? Yeah, I, I can jump in there maybe real quick. So, um, you know, first and foremost, you know, these are three organizations that are significantly committed to making an impact relative to sustainability. These three organizations have come together and they have partnered in this sense for what they call the Connected Climate Initiative. Now, this is something that was launched by AT&T, and it's focused on reducing one gigaton of emissions, hmm. which is a massive amount. Yeah, it right? sounds like it. Now, in order to do that, you have to leverage the collective strength of numerous organizations. You have to tap into academia, but you have to constantly innovate to help us as a society. Hmm. So we are a derivative of that effort, and where it comes into play to what we're discussing is the challenge, as you described, is there's a sea of data but how do I actually get access to all of that? And then how do I co-locate that? So the AT&T component and the Salesforce component come into play where AT&T already has a massive deployed install base mm. of IoT sensors and 5G connectivity. And we're talking about sensors that are maybe being used for say predictive maintenance, right? It's on a motor, a compressor, a vehicle. And those sensors today are already collecting attributes that could help and inform an emissions footprint. What we're doing is we're then connecting that into Salesforce and Salesforce's technical team has already helped create the landing spot for that data. Mm. What that does then is it improves the integrity and accuracy of that data. So once again, you can trust it when you're reporting and it also streamlines the insights of where I have opportunities for say decarbonization or risks at an asset level. So rather than boiling it up and looking at maybe just the enterprise, you now know where you have hotspots literally at an asset level. Terrific, do you wanna add anything to that before? No, I, I think that's, the, the only thing that I would add in terms of the data, like the complexity of the data, one thing is like getting the data, but the other thing that is important, and I think that's where like what we have created has is, a, is one of the biggest differentiators of our solution is not only we help you identify what the data is, but, or where it's at, but also identify what data is actually important to you and for that right like part of our solution has a, a regulatory scanning engine that basically goes out and looks at based on the size of your company the where you operate the the countries that you're your that you're operating the type of products and services that you that you serve we can scan the market for all the 
the multiple uh, set of regulations that exist. And if you look at it over the last 10 years, I think the, the regulations have grown in this space over like 150%. So it's quite overwhelming for the clients, for customers, not only to like find the data, but like what data relative to like what I need to report is important to me. So our solution allows to do and scan the market or scan all the regulations and identify what data needs to be, you know, and parse those requirements and identify what data needs to be um, collected. And then that actually feeds the data that we actually need to, 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 um, to gather at the, uh, at the solution level. And maybe kind of one additional thing just to highlight here is, I know we're talking about maybe the technology, but the reason why we feel that Deloitte is a bit unique in the space is you can't solve it by technology alone there actually is a whole process component here. We talked about the challenge of kind of navigating this sea of data. We talked about like the challenge of navigating shifting regulations, but there's also kind of the other challenge of navigating improvement. Like what levers do I pull that are gonna generate the biggest sustainability ROI? Mm -hmm. Those trade-off decisions are very difficult sometimes for organizations to do that. And what if some of those investment decisions are not for your own company? What if they're actually for your suppliers? And in many cases, especially in this industry, it's those suppliers that are in need. And so a lot of the dialogue that comes into focus where, where Deloitte is well positioned is to say, listen, we're all in this boat together. You're collecting data from your suppliers to understand kind of their level of maturity and how they're impacting your emissions inventory. But you have a responsibility to actually help them as well. And so what we're seeing from a lot of clients is the aspiration to actually step into their value chain help their suppliers mature along this dimension. And the oil and gas industry is interesting because in some cases, the answer to that problem are the products that they're actually creating as part of this energy transition. So the low and zero carbon technologies, they're actually using in some cases their own supply chain as a bit as a business development engine for themselves. And I read here, you know, it's like, again, this is just straight out of my notebook, basically, Companies don't have to do it the hard way. This is streamlined. This is a, there's some agility that you guys can, can apply that would, for lack of a better word, allow them to get to where they need to go sooner than later and not alone. Can we talk a little bit about that too? So how involved are you guys when someone does go down this route? How involved are you in the process to make it easy, to make it as, as smooth sailing as they can with low friction points? Well, I'll, I'll start and I'll say that we're very involved, right? That's why that's why we came up with this solution because we think that there is a way to do this. And like Nigel said, not just with the technology, but surrounding services around the, the technology. I mean, the technology just enabled enable us to, like Nigel described, you know, bring accurate and audible data into the solution, being able to scan the market around the regulations that apply to the specific organization. But that's just one piece of the equation. Once you have all that data, sure, the first thing that most companies are trying to do right now or are trying to solve for is to, to answer to like report, regulatory reporting requirements. That's easy once you have the data. Mm -hmm. The hard part is getting that data, right? And we're solving that problem. The next step is how to use that data for what Nigel was describing around how can we use that data to be, to be better, right? Like if, I, if I'm at, at, at this level or this is my baseline of ESG data, how can I improve and show actually operational improvements, not only in terms of ESG, but also how can I use my, my ESG improvements 
to generate like actual business growth. Wow. So there is like an ROI to all of this. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, in many ways, kind of how you're performing in this space influences your credit rating, your cost of capital, your ability to attract and retain talent, and even kind of your license to operate in certain regions, yeah. right? And so this, we think in many ways addresses that because we don't think that this should be a cost center, right? We actually don't think that this should be a burden. We actually think that this is an opportunity, but until organizations can make that transition and this becomes more automated, they will always view it as the former. Okay, and then, so tremendous, like it really is, but this idea that there's so many different verticals under the solution here, like this 360 truly is um, handling just several different issues. Visibility. So I know we can't do the demo today, obviously, but um, let's talk about visibility. There's a whole lot covered under this, uh, for lack of a better word, umbrella of what you're delivering to these um, clients. How are they seeing it? What is the, um, the ability for them to have a knowingness about what they're experiencing by taking this on? Yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll kind of start here. Um, so visibility, I think, is a great term. And kind of the way that we characterize Sustainability 360 in certain circles is a control tower, right? Think of a control tower where you have the ability to scan the horizon across all different dimensions, right? I know we're spending a lot of our time talking about the environmental side of the equation, but I would argue that social and governance are coming very quickly. And within those three ver verticals, I mean, there is a multitude of kind of areas of focus, right? And so you need the ability to, once again, kind of constantly scan the environment and not spend all of your effort to collect the data. So that's just one area where visibility comes into play. And the other one that is starting to kind of rear its head in many different industries, not just oil and gas, is visibility beyond the suppliers that you're contracting with, right? There has been numerous cautionary tales for different industries where they were caught surprised by the suppliers that their suppliers were reliant upon. Right. They may have been producing uh, parts or materials in certain prohibited regions, and those materials show up at the U.S. border and they're confiscated. Now you have, in this example here with the oil and gas, you've got deferred production, you've got non-productive time that's stacking up, right? And then you have to find an alternate source of supply. So visibility into your extended supply network is a critical topic that's surfacing over and over. Nice. Um, and then, so going back to... As I listen to this, I feel like, if, again, if I was leading an organization and I'm learning about this and I'm acknowledging the challenges that are really um, confronting a lot of the industry, why aren't they doing this? Like, why right now is somebody like sitting at the helm of the ship of an organization and not uh, entertaining this? I think. You know, it's hard to speculate why someone is doing it or not. But I will tell you that sometimes it's almost like, you know, analysis paralysis, right? There's so much regulations, like we've mentioned. There's so much data, and the data is everywhere, that sometimes organizations don't know where to start. Mm. What we offer is a way to get started, and it started really quickly, to get to what is the data that you need to capture, and then you can actually start realizing value out of the data instead of just reporting. Because what's happening today, and Nigel alluded to this in terms of like the, the, the constraint in, term, in terms of resources. When there's, where companies are producing their today, like their sustainability reports, and they don't have an automated way of like getting their ESG data management in control and look at the regulations, they're spending a significant amount of time just producing this report and gathering the data. 
at the same time, like, by the time that they produce a report or they're gathering this data, the data might be outdated. They might not have the latest data. And even if they get the data and they're able to report it, it's very hard for them to get to the level of visibility or the level of granularity to be able to make significant improvements so that for the next reporting period, they can show um, operational improvements in terms of sustainability or or the ESG scoring. Yeah, I would just maybe add as well that, you know, um, corporate social responsibility as a topic has been around for, for years, right? And so companies are on this journey, but I think what they're realizing is that the way in which they're approaching this problem is not sustainable, right? Just a, a play on words, but intentional, right? It, it's very difficult for them to keep pace with these expectations that are growing on a daily basis. And so, you know, there's a recognition that something has to change. You know, if I'm going to materially improve in this area, provide greater transparency to all of my stakeholders and potentially use this as a business opportunity, something has to change. Okay, so let's just say somebody begins this relationship, suddenly they have Sustainability 360 operating. What are the things that I'm not considering or thinking about that are neat objectives they can now consider or, or, or maybe with having this all kind of in line, is there new decisions that you're making that are maybe helping your organization not just make more money, but still continue this process of these other elements. Yeah, you want me to, I'll just jump in here for a second. So if you think about the, the current state, right? We talked about a manually intensive process and because it's so manually intensive, in many cases, companies can only do this maybe twice a year. So that's where they kind of understand where they sit today. Mm -hmm. So think about that period of time where you're actually running your business, making operational decisions, selecting supplier, buying materials, all of those decisions today, I would say are sometimes under-informed or uninformed as it relates to sustainability. So you could be making operational decisions, procurement decisions that are negatively impacting your objectives, right? And so what we're talking about here is helping you simplify the data collection. So now sustainability is fed into your operational decision-making process as one of the heuristics that you consider. So now you can say, wait a minute, if I make this decision, is it positive? Or is, does it actually hinder my my progress towards these public commitments? Yeah. And, and it can even be extended beyond that. It's like now that you have this information about your, you know, your, this granular information about your products and services in terms of like how they're contributing or not to your uh, sustainability journey or goals, you can actually surface this information at the product and service level to differentiate your brand in the marketplace because you're telling your customers how, you know, or what impact that these products are actually making in terms of like sustainability and ESG. Interesting. Actually, maybe one point on yeah, this. So I, I know you've got an insurance background, so this yeah. may strike a chord with you, but um, as you know, right, it's very difficult to, uh, to ensure unknown risk, right? And so what do you do? You default to, you know, kind of protecting your business, and, right? And so yes. on and so forth, right? Yes. And so when you think about kind of what we're talking about here, it's a way for organizations to transparently share more information with, for in this case, a yeah. stakeholder that may be an insurer sure. to actually lower your insurance premium. Uh, yeah, and in many ways sense. that has come true. Yeah, it's like being able to tell your story beyond just yes. people assuming things. And I think that's the key, right? One, one of the messages that, that we tell clients to begin with is you need to own your ESG and sustainability narrative. Instead of being told, oh, this is your score, you can actually own what, what that score is, you can actually show what are the operational improvements that you're making to move forward in your sustainability journey. 
Okay, so love that too. So one of the things that um, I want to just say, it, me kind of preparing for this, I've talked to some different people in the industry. A comment that I wrote down was getting started in something like this um, sounds like it's uh, has a high cost to it. That's one, one word on the street. The other is that it's highly confusing. And then the other thing is, is the marketplace is crowded. So what is it? So speak to any of that that you want to, but also I want to say, what is the differentiator for Deloitte? I know about the collaborations, but is that what it is? Like, what is it if we are trying to compete in the, in the ecosystem of just people trying to play this game? How do you shine? Yeah. I think, just let's talk about the, the, the journey, right? Because like, you're not going to like eat the cake at the, like the full cake in one, <laughs> in one sitting, right? Yeah. I think what we've done with clients is devise almost like a, a stage approach on how to get started. Because like you said, it could be very costly. It could be quite confusing. And then there's the, res the, there's the resource constraint, right? You cannot put all your resources into one effort. So maybe let's talk about the, the, the different stages on how we can get started. Well, maybe just to yeah. just real quick, just to kind of um, respond to your your comment there, because I think it's hundred percent accurate, yeah. right? So the market is crowded, it's costly, and it's it's difficult, right? Um, and the reality is, right? Organizations today are faced with a sea of point solutions, right? You may have a carbon management system, you may have a separate social or supplier management system, you may have a separate uh, reporting solution, right? You've got a litany of solutions that now you're trying to make investment decisions on. Mm -hmm. Now you've got this portfolio of disconnected applications. I have to kind of get them all connected and so on and so forth. As a result, that layers in what we think is unnecessary costs. And because of that complexity, it's very difficult to figure out like, where do I start? Where do I invest? So what we're describing here is a way to simplify that whole approach, right? Sustainability 360 in many ways is that comprehensive end-to-end -end solution where we've already done that navigational homework for you. And we're offering this as a bit of a subscription play, right? So that you're not carrying the burden from an OPEX perspective or a CAPEX perspective, right? It's actually an ongoing OPEX uh, engagement. Nice. Okay. And I know we got to land the plane. So I want to get into just the, just kind of um, a nice conclusion to this is this is a lot of information. There are people that potentially want to explore this. What does that process look like? Is there different delivery models or like, how does this, how does someone begin going down this road? How do they start the process? Yeah. I, I would say like, you know, the easiest way just to start feel free to reach out to any of us. And I think in the podcast notes, we'll have our contact information. There will be a, a site to our external website, a link to the external website. But we can, we can, you know, because it's hard to say, how do you start, right? Like we, we right. tailor the conversations with every client. So we'll be able to determine how to help, how to get you started and how sustainability exists. It could be that catalyst to get you going into your sustainability journey. Yeah, I would 100% echo with Luis's, uh, I mean, we're, at the end of the day, we are here to help, right? We are focused on this industry and we have been for many years and we understand the pressure that companies are facing. We also know the outcomes that are expected, right? And so in many ways, we serve as a sounding board for numerous organizations because the problem is, is not an individual problem. It is an ecosystem problem. Yeah. And then the other thing that I would add is like, we as an organization, Deloitte, we've made a commitment in this space of we're going to invest $1 billion to build solutions and services to help our clients in sustainability globally. Mm -hmm. So 
our solution is just like a drop in that bucket, sure. right? But it's a, it's a significant one because like we described it, we're putting together, what we put together is an end-to-end -end ESG data management solution. No, that's powerful. Well, any last things? I know we covered a lot and I don't know, you know, with the amount of time that we had, is there just anything that you feel like um, is important before we close it out just to add about this solution or what you guys would recommend to uh, the listener? I mean, I would say, please feel free to reach out to us to have like more tailored and in-depth conversations. But I want to thank you for the time because uh, we, it was great to have this platform to talk about what we created. We're quite proud of what we created because like Nigel said, we created this to help our clients, but also to feel like we're making our contribution to the planet and more importantly, to the humans that uh, inhabit the planet. So Love that. Agreed. And thank you, Nigel, for being here. And uh, you guys, um, I'm very interested to like, keep my eye on this. This is an exciting um, solution. It's something that uh, you know, in a world where it is very cluttered and it is a little bit confusing, the idea of being able to have a conversation and get kind of to the bottom of it is a huge thing. Thank you, Deloitte, for um, making this happen. And thank you both for being on the show. And until the next episode, see you guys later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.